I think definitely just when you can see people like you doing the things that you want to do, it makes it seem more attainable. Hello, innovators. I'm Todd Wyant, and welcome to the Bridging the Gap podcast presented by Applied Software. You're invited to join our MEP and construction innovation adventure with a mission to propel this great industry forward. My guest today is Coralie Beatty. After 25 years in the construction industry and successfully selling her trades business, Coralie now shares her knowledge, experience, and expertise with other women in construction and the trades to build their business for greater profitability, flexibility, and freedom. Welcome to the show, Coralie. Thanks, Todd. So I always like to begin with how you got into the construction industry. Well, it's an interesting story because I, I've loved construction my whole life. I've always been attracted to construction. And like from a little girl, I remember I grew up in a neighborhood where it was a lot of under construction homes. And this was in the kind of mid to late seventies where, you know, they didn't have security fences to keep people out. So, you know, I would wander on construction sites in the mornings or in the, on the weekends. And I just loved the smell of the just of the sight of I would you know walk up and down the stairs and listen to the sound of the uh, rough framing in the stairs and I'd pick up nails and I'd play with the tar because it, you know the damp proofing in back in those days was tar and I'd pop bottle, bubbles and I'd get it on my fingers and I just loved it and I've always enjoyed doing you know house plans as looking at house plans designing house plans you know looking at construction related things always mm-hmm. however you know, graduating in the early nineties, it wasn't something that girls did. Like it was, you didn't go into construction. It wasn't even a consideration. Didn't even occur to me that that's something I should pursue, even though I've loved it my whole life. And so I went into university and I took psychology because that's what you did. And uh, I did that for four years and I was part of this program and part of this um, study and I realized that this was not, not for me. It was, it was too emotionally charging. And I was just like, I, this is not what I want to do for the rest of my life. And then I was kind of like, well, what am I going to do? And it's like, well, why don't I do something in construction? So I left university in the path that I was on there. And I, was, and I went to my local technical school to take building technology. And it was the first time ever that I can remember loving learning because that was like the stuff that I loved I got to learn how to frame a house and do all the electrical and ventilation and all of those things that were part of this program and I loved it and I was like this is what learning is supposed to be all about so that's kind of how I I got into it in the in the beginning it's just something that's always been in me I always help my dad around the house build things and go to the hardware store all those things. And even when I was going to university, I worked at Home Depot and I was going, when I was in psychology, I worked at Home Depot and I was in the lumber department and I'd sit by the saw all day, just, you know, cutting pieces for our customers and stuff and just inhaling the smell of the, of the lumber. Never occurred to me that maybe I could do that for a career. So that's how it all started. That's awesome. I love hearing that passion come through. Yeah. Uh, Yes. uh, So in college then when you, or after the couple of years after when you were doing psychology, what made you kind of do the, that left-hand turn back into construction and figuring out, Hey, this is actually is a, a possibility and an option for me. Well, it was because I, I was so set on helping people and I wanted to help. I wanted to help youth in the criminal justice system. 
Uh-huh. And what I recognized in while I was working through my schooling was that I actually couldn't identify with them. Like my upbringing was very normal, whatever that is. I, you know, I didn't, I didn't experience trauma. I didn't do any, like have any big issues in my life. And a lot of these kids did. And I just, I felt like I really couldn't help them genuinely mm-hmm. if I couldn't identify with them. And maybe that was in my own head, whatever it was. It was enough for me to say, I can't do this. Besides it was really emotionally charging. Um, that in that point, I was just like, I needed to look at something else. And that's when it's sort of evaluating and thinking, well, you know, the whole working at Home Depot thing and recognizing that obviously this is something I've been loving my whole life. Why don't I give it a go? And the program that I looked into happened to have space, which it's always a waiting list. And, like, and it was a week into their program. And they're like, well, you can start now. And I was like, what? <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. And so all of a sudden it was like, I had, I had two jobs. So I worked at Home Depot and another job I had, and plus I was going to university. So I had to like get rid of all that stuff and start a new path. And I was like, okay, let's do this. Cause it felt to me like there's space and there's almost never space. So yeah. I needed to make a quick decision. And that's what I did. That's cool. So what's yeah. something about the construction industry that you wish women outside the industry would know? Well, obviously I'm very excited about it. I think it's very exciting, but besides that, because I think that if you don't have that excitement, it's hard to get that excitement, but I think it's Uh really important for women to understand in general, it doesn't have to be dirty. It doesn't have to be laborious. It doesn't have to be hard because I think that a lot of people have that perception of construction. It's like these dirty sites with these dirty people. And it's just kind of, because it's what you see, but Mm -hmm. there's so many opportunities. There is so much potential, you know, whether it be, you know, on the architecture engineering side, or even taking a trade and being able to find a niche that is so specialized in doing the thing that you really love. Like there's just so much potential besides, you know, making good money, there's good money to be made in construction. But besides that, you know, there's a lot of potential to explore so many different areas of the industry. And it's Mm -hmm. not just one or two things that you can do. Like you can pick carpentry, for example, and you can do a variety of things. You can be like, you know, you can focus on finishing a specific type of thing. You can do, you know, there's so many little parts that contribute to what carpentry makes up. You can do, you know, cabinetry work, go into mill work. There's so many things that I think that if you were trying to learn a little bit about the industry, just understanding that there's so much that isn't so readily visible when you're just walking by a construction site. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Well, I think that that's one of the, the kind of cool and unique things about the construction industry is that there's almost a uh, unlimited amount of options and, and paths that you can take once you mm. get into the industry. I think it's, yes. it's also a thing that makes it maybe more complicated to say the message because there are so many, you know, mm. kind of choose your own adventure paths instead of just one, like you get into the industry and this is your career totally mapped out. Um, any thoughts on, on that? Well, that is, that's true. But I think that you, if you let your passion lead, mm-hmm. then it'll take you to where you want to go because you can, like, if you enjoy it, for example, I use carpentry, if you enjoy working with wood, well start there. And then as you go, you'll be exposed to so many different things. So I don't think it's something that you need to know your end point answer today. It's just, mm-hmm. what is your passion today and pursue that? And then what shows up for you and then pursue that. And just, you know, step-by-step, step, I think those things kind of come to you and you realize, you know, as you're ready, these things are, you know, the opportunities become available and it's something more you can explore. And if you don't like it, 
then you can try something else. But you don't need to know the breadth and the depth of all the things that are available when you start. Just knowing that there's so much there, I think is a great place to start. Like the excitement of thinking, ooh, where am I going to go? You know, that type of thing. Yeah. So take the pressure off and be open. Yes. Hey, innovators. Is there a way to prepare your company for successful implementation of technological innovation? After over 115 episodes talking with some of the best minds in the construction industry, the answer is a resounding yes. There are building blocks that you can put into place that will form the foundation for your company to successfully implement technology. I have compiled my thoughts from those conversations into a new ebook simply titled Foundational Building Blocks for Successful Tech Adoption. You can download the ebook for free at our website, bridgingthegappod.com. After you have, I'd love to hear your feedback. As always, keep innovating. Nice. Uh, so h- how do we as an industry really help to kind of amplify the, the message that, that you're trying to get across here and, and make the construction industry just a, a, a more welcoming and friendly environment for women? You know, I'm really excited about the, you know, the efforts and the initiatives that are becoming more popular right now, because it is, I mean, I think the fact that we have such a labor shortage mm-hmm. and that's just kind of across the board, notwithstanding the fact that women are so, and other diverse groups are so underrepresented. Um, I think that there's a lot of things that people are doing to sort of increase those. Mm-hmm. Um, there's this one lady actually in New York, she has, she's a plumber and her name is uh, Judeline Cassidy. And she has this program that's called Tools and Tierras. And it's for young girls to have the opportunity to try different trades. And I think that, you know, introducing it early so that it's a seed that's planted is one thing. But also I think having women as, you know, spokespeople for manufacturers, that's something that I'm seeing more of as well, or vendors, suppliers, you know, you go to uh, trade shows. I was at a trade show recently. And there was a whole lot of men there, but there were some tables that had a nice representation of women. So, you know, just having more female faces out there. And I think also providing like bigger companies, especially I think I've seen it in Turner Construction in particular. I think that they really do a great job about having women in leadership roles. Uh, Whenever I look for anything as far as, you know, some of the research that I've done, Turner always comes up to have a lot of women in a leadership role. And I think sort of taking some of these bits together, you know, manufacturers using women as spokespeople to show that, yes, women are out there doing the work. It's not always men to have them represented in uh, the in, you know, those type of trade show settings where there more women are being shown and then also leadership roles. I think that those are some good opportunities to continue to grow in those areas where, you know, you can start to see women as real, um, a real key component of the industry in many different facets. Yeah, it, it may sound obvious, but I'd love to get, hear your, your thoughts on how, or what's the power in, in really elevating uh, the, you know, all these diverse perspectives and, and having those successful examples that, that people can point to for women to say, look, you can reach all the way up to, to these heights and, and have them be that, that example and, and the role model for those coming up behind them. 
Well, I think the obvious answer to that is when you can see somebody doing something that looks mm -hmm. like you or seems like that, you know, you have a mirror of yourself in that position, then you can see yourself actually doing it. But when you, as a young girl, just see men in all of these roles, that's not you. You don't identify with that. And so it's difficult to see yourself in those positions. So mm -hmm. I think definitely just when you can see people like you doing the things that you want to do, it's, it makes it seem more attain attainable mm -hmm. yeah. and more possible. Yeah. Coralie, I think women bring this incredible set of complementary skills to really help balance out the industry that maybe doesn't necessarily come naturally to the historical construction industry. And, and that being the their power in soft skills and being better communicators and, um, you know, really helping bring people together. So how can this be really leveraged better for the industry? Well, I think that um, as an industry, you know, a lot of it for many, many decades, years and years since the beginning of time, it's always been a lot of muscle, brawn and that kind of thing. There hasn't been a lot of value put in those, like you say, soft skills or the finer details or the little things that... Um, that really contribute to a successful project, communication, um, you know, connection. And I think in this day and age, I think a lot of people are really needing and longing for just the way we are growing our companies and creating culture. A lot of people need that connection. People need that communication. And I think women are really good at sort of being a bridge for that in order to, you know, bringing that to an, a construction site or whatever, especially if you're, you know, not just one in a huge construction site, but as our numbers increase, and that's kind of one of those soft skills, I think that we bring that, you know, helps to really get a successful project by, you know, in, improving communication, improving the foresight, what's coming up, the details, the things that are kind of not the brunt force throwing up the, you know, the studs or whatever happens to be, it's, you know, the finer details that I think are often overlooked in an effort to just kind of get through it. And I think women bring that, um, can bring that skill set that kind of offers more depth, value, and communication, connection, those things that are human that have kind of, I think, are missing from the construction industry or have previously been missing from the construction industry. And I think that that's a a really valuable uh, skill that is brought and is needed within the industry in order to continue to work together to actually, you know, it's not one trade versus another, you know, can we use that skill that women bring to uh, have everybody work together as a team in an effort to reach the successful end project is kind of the goal. So I, I think that that's a, a big place where women could uh, really bring their skills for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, what is the, the outcome of, of really successfully being able to bring in those soft skills and, and really implement them for the, the industry as a whole? In my perfect world. You know? <laughs> I love talking perfect would, worlds. <laughs> you know, I would really love to see, because I'm all about connection and community and working yeah. together and teamwork and understanding. Like those are things that to me are really paramount to just living a happy life in general, not just on the job, but also in your life. And I yeah. think that if we could just bring a little more of that to a construction site and spread that around more, because in my experience on construction sites with the, because my first 10 years were in construction, we're all on construction sites. My experience has been um, 
a lot of separation, a lot of divisiveness, a lot of um, headbutting. And I think that that time is done. Like we need to move beyond that. And I think in my ideal world, you know, I think with the perfect outcome would be that we come to a point where we're actually all working together. We're mm -hmm. all, you know, have the end goal in mind. We know what we're working towards and we're actually working as a team. You're not saying, well, my pipe is supposed to go here and just cutting somebody else's stuff out and throwing it down and letting them worry about it later. Because to me, that's not, you're not working together and you're just making somebody else's life more difficult. And I, that's not what I'm about. So mm -hmm. that would be a great outcome, I think. The Bridging the Gap podcast is brought to you by Applied Software. With solutions for the modern project, Applied Software is on a mission to transform industries by empowering clients and championing innovation with real-world expert consultants. Their comprehensive array of solutions for AEC, MEP, and manufacturing has a singular focus, helping you achieve higher performance. With software, training, support, consulting, and custom development, Applied Software has you covered. Visit asti.com and let them know we sent you. I love that. I am a big, passionate advocate for bringing people together and mm -hmm. teamwork and really listening for, for understanding and, and mm -hmm. hearing the other person's perspective, regardless of if you agree with them or oh, you think absolutely. that they're right or not. It's, it's almost irrelevant. Not necessarily it's, it matters, but it's, you want to really hear where they're coming from. Um, mm -hmm. So how do you, in construction, how do you bring that community together effectively and even pull in those people that are going to sit with their arms crossed on the, the sides and be like, what's well, this huggy feely <laughs> stuff? And yes. I don't want to sing Kumbaya with everybody. This is ridiculous. Let's get back to what we're really doing here. And, and well, hopefully a lot of those people will be retiring soon, but <laughs> <laughs> besides that, you know, I think it really starts with the leadership of the company. So mm -hmm. that starts, you know, not just with the leadership on site, it starts with the leadership at the office. It starts with the owners of those businesses. It starts with the culture. What are you creating? What are you empowering your people to do? What, you know, when people feel empowered and they feel like they can make decisions and they feel like they're part of something and they're actually making an impact, I think all of those things contribute to the willingness to be open to listening to other people. And when you are um, modeling those things at the leadership, like at your, you know, leadership level, you know, whether it be a foreman on site or even your crew lead, whatever it happens to be, I think it's something that starts from the top down. You need to be having strong leadership that shows how this is done, that everybody is valued, their opinion, their work, everything about them is valued. And it is a teamwork and it's not just one person making the decisions and everybody else doing the work. I think that that's really where it has to start because mm -hmm. it's not going to just organically happen on a construction site. It's yeah. just not, I'm yeah. not negative, but it's just not. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. I, I think it's, it's also empowering the conversations to be had too, and saying that it's okay to talk about the stuff on the job site and, and with your, your coworkers and, and making that, making that okay to, to reach out on that, that personal side of things. I, I think there's a lot of people that, that want to, and are, are really hungry to talk about it, but they don't yeah. think that it's, acceptable or appropriate, maybe because they've got shouted down when they, they brought it up on a previous job or, um, you know, they just, they think the construction, you, you don't do that. And I, I think yes. that's changing some, which is awesome to see. I, I really, I, I'm really optimistic that, um, 
it can continue to change and evolve to become something a little bit more um, productive, shall we say, yeah. in, as far as the human relations part goes. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Uh, so as you're coaching women construction leaders, what's one of the biggest challenges that you seek to, to really overcome in that? What are the, like the, the obstacles or the hurdles that um, are, are being faced that we can have a, a dialogue as an industry to, to help maybe smooth those out some? Well, it's interesting because I think with women leaders in particular, um, we always think we got it. We can do it. We can, we've got this covered. I can do it myself. You know, we always have this thing of being able to take care of everything. And I think that one of the challenges that we do see is that women aren't willing to accept help. So this is one of the things that, you know, when I am working with women, I let them know delegation is really a good thing. Like not only, you know, because it's this, this control that they like to have, like, this is the way I like to have it done. And I say, well, you know, what if somebody actually does it better than you or not the same, but different, but well enough that you don't have to do it. Like, I think women have this tendency to um, need to do everything themselves and not want to delegate, not put themselves first, and they can really lead to burnout. And I think that having the conversation that lets women know that they are allowed to have help, you are allowed to ask for help. You are allowed to be vulnerable. You don't have to do it all. You have nothing to prove. Like these things are, I, I see these as a real challenge for women. And I know that I experienced a lot of these things early in my career for sure, because you have, you feel like you have something you need to prove because you're this, you're a woman, especially when I started young in, you know, on construction sites and I'm dealing with, you know, men who have been doing this for 25 years and I'm just this young person on site. Like there's just you, you need to, you get the sense that I have to prove myself. I have to show that I'm worth something that I know what I'm doing or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then you just carry on with that. And it's just the way you are until you learn to not be that way. And when you recognize the power that exists with allowing yourself to be vulnerable, allowing yourself to ask for help, it, it's an amazing place to be, but it's a real challenge for women to get there. Mm -hmm. And I think that if we can have that conversation um, I think a lot more women would one stay in the industry longer and really be empowered to take control of what it is that they're doing. So what's the, what's the low hanging fruit to uh, accomplish that, that bar? Cause that's a, it's a high bar to all of a sudden kind of yeah. lay, lay down the, the, the armor and, and show your, your vulnerability and ask for help. Yeah. I, unfortunately, I think, um, you know, it's having, it is having the conversations mm -hmm. and it's helping women to recognize their worth. And, but the thing is that women have to be actually looking for these conversations, you know, whether it be, you know, going into an office where it's just, you know, women in a leadership, not even in leadership roles, just women within an organization, not necessarily business owners, but women within an organization and having people, you know, leadership coaches or whatever come in and having these conversations or mindset coaches, just letting women know that there are, there's so much potential and there's a lot of things that they don't have to feel so protective of. It's not mm -hmm. going to make them look weak. And I, and especially I think women in leadership roles, I think it's very easy for them to feel like there's a weakness if they show vulnerability. Mm -hmm. 
but it's actually the opposite. So the low hanging fruit, it's a tough one because I think women have to be open to hearing the conversation. And maybe it is going into these organizations, but they need to be, they need to be open and available to hear it. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so when I talk to the women, they're at least coming to me or I'm having the conversation so I can have those, those conversations with them. But if women aren't approaching, whether it be coaches or other people for input, it's difficult. And I, I would hate to say, but the reality is, I think what ends up happening is it gets to the point where they can't do it anymore and they're looking for solutions. And what can I do? Because that's actually the reality of a lot of what I see. Mm-hmm. it's not yeah. proactive a lot of it is reactive to a situation that's already existing mm-hmm. that makes sense is there um like a community and groups that the people can join to to help in that proactiveness or um, is it purely just kind of seeking out people and, and... well there's certainly like i'm in canada and we have what's called KWIC, which is the Canadian Association for Women in Construction. And then there's also the same association down in the United States, which is called NAWIC, National Association for Women in Construction. And I think it's called NABWIC, which is the National Association for Black Women in Construction. So there are these national organizations where women can go and uh, get a lot of resources, a lot of support. There's a lot available within these organizations. And then there's smaller local ones. There's, you know, here locally, we have um, trade associations for women. We have programs for women in trade. So there's certainly small associations. But again, I think women need to be seeking them out and looking for that support. And, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, to be proactive in order to actually look for them. But there's, there certainly are associations available to that, that provide that support and opportunities. Nice. Uh, so one of the kind of main threads that, that runs through all of our, our episodes here is around innovation. Um, so mm-hmm. with that in mind, if you could innovate one thing in the industry, what would it be? <laughs> well, you know, when I think of the, the primary pain point being a labor shortage, um, I would love to see something that's innovated to, on a large scale, you know, like this tools and tiers that I was speaking about earlier, for example, you know, programs like that, that's bringing, um, exposure at a young age. I think that that's really important as a young age. I think if you're doing it at high school, it's almost too late. If you're doing it after high school, it's too late. You're not really planting those seeds in the early stages. So I think, uh, you know, programs that are available on a large scale that can reach girls at a young age to let them know that anything is possible and they can do anything that they want. They can pursue, there's like, as Tools and Tiara says, you know, there's no, I think it's something, um, jobs don't have genders or something like that. You know, you can do anything and to just have the opportunity to empower them at such a young age to hold tools, to actually create things and recognize that there is so much for them in that industry. I really think if that could be done at a large scale, that would be great. Yeah. On a, you know, on a tech, <laughs> on a tech note, you know, that I think would be really good. But one thing that I think is missing I haven't found actually, I shouldn't say that it's missing and maybe it does exist, but I know one of the things that challenges I saw in my time as a business owner in the trades was finding software that could sync budget, scope and schedule (laughs) on a more practical note, like just something that's really tangible. I think that everything seems to be all these like silos or integrating different bits and pieces like on like there's these big programs, but just something that was more simple 
that could, you know, incorporate those three things that would sync and you could put in some information and kind of update stuff, I think would be great. But um, I don't know that that exists. I haven't been able to find something on a simple level, but uh, that'd be yeah. nice. <laughs> that single source of, of truth. It's, it's, a, it's a great buzzword. It is hard to, <laughs> to put into practice. I think that's a, a big issue facing the construction industry is how do you, it is. How do you bring in all this vast amount of data and be able to use it in any, uh, you know, super productive, realistic way, simply, because mm. um, yes. that's the way you're going to affect habit change and everything. Yes. Uh, well, you're doing great work with the, your coaching practice. How do people find out about that and find out more information and then connect with you as well? I appreciate that. It's uh, my website is thrivehq.ca and anybody can find me on social media, Coralie Beattie. I'm kind of one of one. I'm easy to find on all the platforms. I'm not on Twitter, but uh, you know, Instagram and LinkedIn, all those, you can find me Coralie Beattie. Nice. Awesome. Well, final question for you. What does innovation mean to you? Uh, innovation means um, leading the way, forward thinking, problem solving, solutions, because uh, I'm all about solutions. And, you know, when I think of what the challenges are, I always think, you know, this is a I'm always thinking of solutions. So innovation to me thinks of, is always thinking about solutions. What, what's the next thing that can sort of come along? to advance our industry. Nice. Awesome. Coralie, thanks so much for, for coming on the show and, and talking about this important topic and sharing your insights. Thanks so much, Shada. I appreciate the opportunity. Bridging the Gap is directed and produced by Todd Wyant, edited and produced by Eric Daniel. Bridging the Gap is an applied software production. Copyright Applied Software 2021.